I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Yo, yo, yo. Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast. Guess what? It's Pride Month, which we said in the last episode, but I'm saying it again. It's Pride Month. Well, it's, it's Pride Month for every episode that we release in June. Yes, it is. Even so, though some, some places they're July and August, but you know, it's the, kind of the start of Pride season. And so we just wanted to say happy Pride, y'all. Rainbows, sunshine, love, and Sparkles, unity, connection, unicorns, acceptance, all of it, authenticity, yes, synchronicity, yes. Um, what are the other words? Blessings. <laughs> I, I like all of it. No, but I'm I'm doing serious right now. Um, if you didn't listen to our last episode from last week with Ray McDaniel talking about gender magic, uh, we didn't really say that was kind of like the kickoff to Pride Month, but it is. And now we're talking about sex ed with DB specifically STIs, STDs, which is a very important conversation. No, we're not talking about it just because it's Pride Month. This happens to just happen during Pride Month. We've really only done one episode that focus all on that it. Yeah, focuses uh-huh. on this and this topic. If any one out there is sexually active anyone anyone yeah if you're a human listening and you have sex you likely should listen to this yeah have an sti yes and it's not like the fear there's no fear here it's just it's more about knowledge yeah exactly and so this isn't so the way db teaches daniel bezalel is not the because it's the all we talk about this all or nothing like binary there's there's safe and unsafe because she teaches on a harm reduction approach on that spectrum which is how we teach as well um, which is like there's a lot of things that you can do in the in-betweens and this is just an important conversation like april said if you're a sexually active person maybe you were sexually active five years ago and you're thinking of being sexually active again maybe you don't identify as a sexually active person but you have a a child that is or like you know a teenager or you have friends or something there's really useful information here but it is actually a fun and I just want to give a little disclaimer. I was in London and it was basically eight hours after it was like 11 p.m. (laughs) Yes, it was late and I had a long day. She did a good job. I did a good job, but I I just want to give a disclaimer that sometimes I think I threw Danielle for a a loop. I was like, wait, let me ask this question. Yeah. Uh, And it it was fine. The sound was great, but I think like I I was super jet lagged and weird. I I, and I was like afterward, you're like, yo, did you mean to say that? I was like, I don't remember what I said. (laughs) Like you needed to go to sleep, but you did a good job. Well, then we did another podcast after. My sleep was so fun. Fucked yeah. before this, but for two days I didn't. I'd be wide awake until five in the morning. It's so and hard going try. that direction. Oh my god, it's so hard. I could go to Thailand and it's easy, but going to the other direction, it's so it was really it hard. was difficult. And I haven't traveled over the Atlantic Pond since Atlantic Pond but since lockdown. Yeah, since before that, so it was it was definitely hard. So I, I just want to apologize for a, listeners. A great if, job. There was some yes. moments where I was like, "Where's she going? Where's she yes. going? Where's she and going?" And I was like, "Where did I just go with this? Am I speaking English right now?" Yeah, but that's all good. And um, and there's really good information in here. And you know, the last one we did with Remy Pie episode 120, I think the STI episode uh, was 
phenomenal as well. So if you want more information, you can go listen from a nurse practitioner's perspective. And this is multiple years later. The information is different. It's ever changing. It is. Uh, Speaking of being jet lagged, you won't get jet lagged when you're at our shameless sex retreat. Yeah, you won't. Well, you will not because the time zones are fairly equal. Well, it depends where you're coming from. We don't know where you're coming from. Right. It's balanced a little bit. It's like two hours ahead. What if they're coming from Germany? If you're coming from Germany, you might have a little bit, but it's easier to go. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's easier to go yeah. east to west. So this shameless sex retreat is we're talking. It's, it's no, not till November, November first through six in Costa Rica, Manuel Antonio. And we rented this beautiful, luxurious retreat location we just for chef. female identified women, uh, Volvo owning folks. We have a private chef. It's luxurious. It's all about nourishing, coming into community, uh, self improvement. But that doesn't sound sexy. So really, to tap into your ultimate sexual badass it's self, basically just unleashing the inner shameless sex that you are the sexiness that you are it's bestie retreat i'm calling it the bestie retreat because everyone we have a little integration with them when they sign up um and every person has been a person i'm like i want to be friends with you yeah i'm super excited yes so it's it is for your own self work but it's really about community and coming together and having a fucking blast so a bunch of free sex toys lots of upon your sponsored by fun factory one of our favorite sex toy brands you're getting some of our favorite sex toys from one of the best one of the most OG. They've been around since the 90s. Yeah. They pioneered high-end sex toys. Yep. They made sex toys an actual mark on the map mm-hmm. when it was like less disgusting and phallic. And re- remember those days oh, where yeah. it's just like veiny, fleshy things coming at you? And they make their, the Vim one, which is your new favorite one. That is amazing. So this this uh, this retreat, if you all want to sign up, we only have a couple spots left. and We it, really do. We really do. So go to our website, shamelesssex.com. There's a banner there with a video where you can watch like a little bit about it and get a kind of a feel for what it looks like and then sign up and then we'll do a little meet and greet with you and we'll go from there and it'll be absolutely wonderful you're going to love it but get it while you can because it's going hot it is going hot and it's and gonna fast. be hot and it's gonna be hot we'll have like twerk shops oh and erotic photography i, I want it shifts. to be tomorrow i know i'm so excited because can we teleport to the future we also have our book coming out in november oh yeah you'll probably get a free copy of the book you'll get a, well not probably you will <laughs> you will we'll and sign it with we, our titties. we're gonna be promoting our book more <laughs> but titty signatures Oh, or anyways. Well, people are into that. <laughs> okay, let's do a sex question. Favorite sex question? Titty signatures is what yes. it's called. Oh, shamelesssex.com, though. Sign up for the retreat. I said that, but that's cool. Oh, you did? Say okay. One more time. Shamelesssex.com. Ooh, that's even better. You can't forget <laughs> that. That's good. All right, so here's the sex question. I'm a 56-year-old single penis owner and a very oral, very oral lover. So I want to say, <laughs> I want to say loyal, very oral lover because I only have a 4.5-inch cock. I don't know. Is that hard? Soft? I'm assuming you mean hard. The only only time I was told it was small is when I left the relationship. Since I was young, I've had a sex drive and I am interested in the pump for a more sensitive, bigger cock. I'm also interested in the Helix Sin V vibrating prostate toy. I had a cheap, hard one and between masturbating and using the prostate vibe, I had the most intense orgasm I've ever had. Need your advice and love you ladies for what you do. Well, can we talk about those cock pumps? Yes. So the cock pumps. So uh, we had the awesome. episode with Susan Bratton where we talked all about the cock pumps. And uh, there is a variations of cock pumps. And so first of all, before we do go to the cock, cock pumps, I want to say whoever told you it was small is kind of an asshole because it's not up to us to tell someone that their breasts are big, medium, large. Your vagina is too vagina large, is too, too much, small, whatever yeah, not, it is. And, and your cock's not enough of this. Your or cock's too, too small, that. too large. That's all bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know what the cock 
context was when someone said that after you left the relationship sounds like that was a stab or a jab uh, not very nice so and 4.5 I don't know April and I have different definitions my definition is from when I did the sex educator training uh, with Sissy where it was a little more broad it was like average American cocks are between four to six inches and you have a more narrowed there, stat well those stats come from about seven years ago yeah. now that, I need to look oh that one and that was global that's 2008 this yeah. is a long time ago this is global from hot octopus we did a bunch of research and gathered information from all over and it was more pointed at like 5.4 is the average that far is from this person, no it's yeah. not and at the same time honestly there's more humans now and more yeah. sexually active humans than there were six years ago yeah. so that stat is changing and remember statistics are only about the pool of people that are they're exactly. interviewed that are researched that actually so want to talk about their cock that size. Want to talk about the cock size. <laughs> yeah. so I wonder how many people that are just like, no, I don't want to talk about that. And they're not sharing. Well, it's the same with like baby. So my friend that had a baby told me that a healthy baby is usually it's measured from a, like a, a white person in Denver. Um, that that's what they give that's you the helpful. pounds of the length. And that's like what, like a healthy baby when it comes out is, is, I don't know, you know, 19 inches long and 6.9. Why the fuck a white person in Denver? Because that was what the stats came out. My friend that, you know, she, she told me this and I, I had no idea. And I actually started looking at it. I was like, she's right. So these Weird. averages and these stats that come for, for that come for you for cock sizes and vulva sizes and vagina length, they're all statistics. And it's based on the pool of people that were researched in the stat in whatever the researchers pooled, who well, was the, willing. The other thing I'm curious of when someone says 4.5 inches, like for me, I really don't give much of a fuck about length. Like if someone's like, oh, I'm seven inches I'm like cool that might ram into my cervix mm -hmm. or i'm only four inches cool but like what's your girth right like for me it's more you, if you're really going to hit my nerve endings i i actually like a like a little more girth it doesn't have to be like super girthy but anyways i think we see 4.5 4 but if you were really girthy you got a huge cock right like that could be a really great cock but it depends on the person so just no shame in your cock game uh, so you're asking about making your cock more sensitive and bigger. And so will you look up the episode number with Susan? Susan Bratton. Yes, I will. recent one. April's going to look that up, but I know that the uh, link to go talk about. I look love up the, the sensitivity part, making yeah. it more sensitive and more, because that is something that you can do no matter what size your cock is. You can actually make your cock and and actually clitoris yeah. with certain products um, more sensitive and also more, you can rejuvenate the tissues. Totally. And then you can also learn how to orgasm in other ways. And this is all from practice and research and trying new things. So if you go to aprilamy.com, this is where the cock pumps that we're talking about, this is where they will be. Uh, the one we were talking about specifically was the Dr. Joel Kaplan cock pump there. So this is a pump that goes, a cylinder that goes on the cock. And I believe that it actually comes in a kit on this one that has one that goes to get your cock hard. And there's a second one that you put on that has the cock and the balls uh, and it gets everything hard in there. Or maybe it's vice versa, but there's an order of operations, which she describes on the podcast. So on how to do it. 322 big clits and dicks with Susan Bratton, episode number 322. If you type 322 into our website or you, but Susan Bratton is, is pretty much someone that I respect deeply and dearly yeah. i think about her sometimes when i make decisions about my life i'm like what would fucking. susan do no oh my I god she has, she has a spirit she's animal so fucking brilliant and she's been a big 
fan of Dr. Kaplan's work for a while. And then when we were doing this episode with her, she's like, you all need to try these yeah. products. And I was like, no, oh, it we was don't fun need to try. We don't need it. Right. But no, I tried it because I was like, she's like, no, it's not about needing it or not. It's about enhancing you're about your partner what you trying already the got, pump? but both for, yeah. for, the, oh, the, clip pump too, for yeah. the clip pump. And, yeah. and so all this does is help people that buy it and use it be more sensitive. And also it gives you longevity and it can help grow like the tissue, but I'm really a fan. Brings um, more blood flow there, which is good for everything. Like the, the more blood flow that we get moving through our bodies, especially to our genitals, if we're talking about sexuality, the better. And of course, we don't want to do too much to the point where like we have a bruise on our cocks with what we're doing, but is very helpful, whether it's just for like April said, longevity, where you're going to do something in the moment. So like in that moment, you want to do it, for, or sorry, not in the moment. In the moment is more so like, I'm going to do this before sex. In the moment is I want to do this like, as a daily practice to go and continue to create this blood flow thing. And it feels nice. You're suctioning your cock. So that could feel really good. And so I just want to say to find the right size, I believe that when you go and order this, they will help you with the sizing on the site. It helps you with so, figuring out the right size. And this one would be the, which, because there's the, the pump, the Whopper penis yeah, the pump, Whopper which penis sounds pump. awesome. And I so love it. At the end, as, as you're ordering, it tells you the size. And the size really is not about length. I'm pretty sure they're all the same length. It's about girth. So it'll say like, you know, when you're hard, are you this thick on your, your like biggest hardness? Because you don't want it to be super thick beyond what the tube can hold. And then you can figure out the right one and then try that out for yourself. And we've heard wonderful things and we witness wonderful things with our partners in trying them as well. There's also the the infra, infrared light one that my partner has been Oh, using. the wrap. Yeah. Yes, it's cool because you can use the same pieces that they send you with this other kit to actually help like the infrared if you just look up infrared what the lights do they kind of heat and they yeah. ha- they promote what you're saying like the, t- the blood flow the tissue the and blood tissue, flow the vessels right. yeah. and we have the pussy ones we still need to try well I've I've actually not tried it yet the in the I have my next one. my bed telling me to try it I keep forgetting I know I have it laid out as well and the packaging is so beautiful I, I was know. like I don't it's know the joy looks yes yeah, we'll get back to when we try those for the pussies so go check this out and then you're asking about the helix Sin V vibrating process. That's from Aneros. Yes, okay. from Aneros. And so this is something you get at purepleasureshop.com. And if you use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX, you get 15% off. We've done many, many episodes with Forrest Andrews of Aneros. So if you go to our website and you just look up, just type Helix or Prostate or Forrest Andrews, his name, this episode will come up. And I think he's been here three or four times. And he is the master when it comes to anything prostate, not just Anero products, super orgasms, prostate health, prostate pleasure. And Yes, exactly what you're saying. Self-pleasuring while having this in can enhance your orgasm tenfold. Like all of a sudden you're having this mind-blowing, transformational, transformative orgasm. And for all of you penis owners, you're like, I want my orgasms just like so-so. One of the ways to turbocharge it is by incorporating prostate play. And this model, I think came out this last year with the vibrating option is mm-hmm. like a whole next level. He, Forrest Andrews, who is one of the product developers started as just a reviewer and he's an engineer and switched over to actually helping create sex toys because of his love for what he's been able to help them with. And he's just a brilliant really intelligent person and um you'll love that those shows the super o's yeah um, and the, yeah anything prostate and and again like even if 
you didn't want to use a prostate toy, but you own one, I would listen for your prostate health. You own a prostate, you yes. Own, yeah, you own yes. a prostate. Like it's it's something that I think everyone should listen to. It's very valuable. So go and check that out and you can go and learn more all about the prostate, all about the toys that we're talking about and go check to AprilAmy.com. AprilAmy.com, I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, Good so are you, you ready for a bio? Yeah, I'm ready for that bio. Danielle Bezalel, MPH, aka DB, is the creator, executive producer, and host of of the Sex Ed with DB podcast, a feminist podcast bringing you all the sex ed you never got, centering LGBTQ plus and BIPOC experts. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Sex Ed with DB on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. To learn more, visit sexedwithdb.com. All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we are here with Danielle Bezalel, Sex Ed with DB, also known as Sex Ed with DB, very popular on social media. I've been watching Danielle on TikTok um, and Instagram, and she is quite the hit and has a lot of really fun, easy information about uh, sexuality. And so while this episode will focus on STIs, also known as STDs, um, and we've only done one episode that was completely about this and it was a huge hit. It was episode 120, I think. So it's been a while. We're in episode 300 something. Uh, oh so gosh. we're a little overdue because the times have changed and um, and the more knowledge, the better. Uh, so, but just so you all know, Danielle offers so much more beyond STIs and you already heard a little bit about Danielle in the bio, um, but I will let Dan- Danielle continue that conversation on. Um, Danielle, can you please tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? Would love to. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I am jazzed to be here, as they say. How did I get into the field of sexu- sexuality? I have two kind of uh, stories that I share. One is a very short one. One is a little longer. The short one is that my mom is an OBGYN, point blank, uh, from a very young age. Uh, you know, she put in my first tampon. She helped me a lot with a lot of sexual and reproductive stuff when I was younger and confused and just kind of unsure of what the hell was going on. Uh, so we had a lot of open conversations when I was young, and that definitely got me going uh, when it comes to being interested uh, around women's rights, women's sexuality. The terms and, you know, queerness is definitely more part of the conversation now than when I was in middle school. So uh, that was the beginning of that. But the other story that I have is a story of when I uh, taught English in Israel for a year after graduating from college. And my teaching cohort uh, and I went on a field trip to a super religious community in Jerusalem called the Community of the Bells uh, for a day. And there was a main rabbi there, an ultra-Orthodox rabbi, showing us around and talking about his customs and his traditions. And he kind of offhandedly during his presentation talked about how he had five daughters. And when each of them reached the age of 18 or 17 even, they were married off by the matchmaker and they would not learn about sex until their wedding night when they had it for the first time. And uh, the cherry on top was that he was like, and we pray that they get pregnant that that night. Like, like that's that's the goal. And I was like, holy shit, like big yikes. Um, And I was 21 at the time and I kind of raised my hand and was just so angry and was like, what if that's like not what they want? And, you know, shouted, <laughs> shouted at him kind of, it was like, what if, what if they, they aren't ready to be moms? And what about their consent? And like, what if they don't want that? And he was like, that's just how it goes here. Next question. 
And so that day I went home and started researching public health master's programs and found uh, Columbia's master's of public health and uh, fast forward to me getting my master's and starting sex ed with DB uh, a little bit before that time. And here we are. It's been six years that I've been doing sex ed with DB. So those are my two kind of uh, stories that I share. You took the words right out of my mouth when it comes to talking to people that are unaware how to talk to others about not only sex, but this particular topic. And I lived in Israel and oh, I, I, yes, I was, I was, I was like, I feel a connection <laughs> to this story that we're, we're talking about right now. And it's nothing um, bad. I think there's just a lack of education around the how and I've been watching the Jewish matchmaker. So it's awesome. Um, (laughs) I was like, wow, that is a deep look into what happens. It's there's respect there, but also sex is not just like, it's not just for making children, right? There's so much more that goes in. Thank, thank the goddesses because I don't have children. I love sex. So (laughs) anyway, Danielle, so happy to have you uh, here here with us. And so why don't we just get like right to it and let's talk about chlamydia, (laughs) gonorrhea, all the lovely STIs, which I think it comes up a lot because people normally in the past, at least um, I know in the course of my lifetime from teenage years to twenties thought of it as STDs. Um, So can we start with, with kind of why the term has switched um, to STI versus STD and what that kind of looks like. And if you want to throw anything in about chlamydia or gonorrhea, I'm all for that too. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about chlamydia uh, and gonorrhea and a bunch of other STIs a little later, but let's let's go over some definitions, right? Like what is STI versus STD? STI is sexually transmitted infection, right? While STD is sexually transmitted disease. And similar to you growing up, all I heard about was STD, you know, and when we think about those words, right, infection versus disease, there's a lot of stigma and shame when we put the word disease in there. It feels, oh no, like I'm gross. I'm so concerned about this. This is so negative. Whereas the word infection is actually a more accurate representation of most STIs that are cured with antibiotics or other forms of medication, even ones that are viral or lifelong, such as herpes, HIV, hepatitis B, HPV, right? Some of these can be managed with medication and some of them actually just go away on their own. So it's not really that accurate of a representation to call it a disease, which usually in some cases is a lifelong ailment. For most STIs, that's not really the case. And in fact, the number one symptom of an STI is no symptom at all. And so most people don't even know that they have these infections. And so it's better to characterize them for many reasons, you know, less shame, more accurate representation to call it an STI rather than STD. So it's not a death sentence? (laughs) Sure is. And if you have access. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's That's actually information I wish I would have had, right? When I was younger, because I was diagnosed with an STI at 17 Mm -hmm. and it was a death sentence. So thank you for Amy for saying that. And thank you, Danielle, for pointing that out as well. And Amy's helped me through some stuff when I did think it was a death sentence. She's like, no, honey, no, you're fine. You're all right. It's okay. This is common. I just want to say thank you. Yeah. 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 Well, the access thing I think is important. You're saying because not everyone in the world has access to the medications you're talking about, to this information that we're even sharing here. Yes. Um, So if we are fortunate to live in a place where we have access, then 
it's not uh yeah, it's not a death sentence and your life doesn't have to be over and you are normal, right? Totally. Yes. <laughs> you probably you are actually like more normal if you have had an STI at some point than not, right? I think it's probably more common. Oh, we're going to get into these stats, but like <laughs> literally most Americans like will get HPV in their lifetime. So like we can, yeah. we can get into that. Like yeah. HPV is a wild, wild STI that like there's still more things being discovered about it all the time. And so it's just a, a wild ride we're about to go on with HPV. Well, April's over there. If you're not watching us on YouTube, April's over there doing an HPV dance over there on a wild ride. Um, well, with that, my next question was going to be, what are the most popular STIs on the market? Like all oh, the rage right now, they're so cool and popular. What are the most common STIs this day and age? So we're in 2023, y'all. Like what, what's, what's out there? What's so hip? First of all, the on the market thing is very funny. It really made me think of just different STIs on a dating show, like being like, <laughs> you're going to date herpes. Uh, what do you think? And that's just hilarious to me. So I do think that that's how we should, it's like a big mouth kind of situation. Like I'm sure that's going to be an episode or has been an episode. But let's let's get into the stats. And this is specific to the U.S. Um, because that's the most reliable data that I have access to that I feel comfortable talking about. And we know that in 2018, uh, one in five people had an STI, and that was roughly 68 million people. Now, I would be really curious to see the stats now because part of me thinks that it would be increased. However, COVID was two years of people in isolation. So I'm really curious what the most recent stats are going to be from the CDC. So stay tuned on those. But there are three STIs that I really want to talk about when it comes to the most common in the U.S. The first is HPV, which is the human papillomavirus. The second that we'll get into is herpes. And the third is chlamydia. So HPV is the most common STI in the U.S. And according to the CDC, like I said before, this wasn't a fake thing that I was saying. No fake news here. Nearly everyone will get HPV at some point in their lives. Not everyone shows symptoms of HPV, so you might not know that you have it, but there are more than 42 million Americans that are infected with different types of HPV that cause disease. So that's what we have to be really clear on. Like HPV can cause certain forms of cancers and disease, which is why it's super important. And we're going to talk about this later to get tested and specifically for HPV to get the preventative shot, you know, the Gardasil shot. And so really important to know that there are more than 40 types of HPV that can be spread sexually. And how can you get them? Through vaginal, anal, or oral sex. And you can also get them with skin-to-skin -skin contact. So HPV is one we should be talking about all the time and really making sure that it's not stigmatized. Do you have any notes on HPV before I move on to herpes? No, I know a lot about it. Amy, What's... Amy, I think you should take HPV. Uh, I'll, I'll take, take the HPV, next one. Yeah, April can have herpes. Uh, okay. Gift to you, April. You win herpes. Uh, <laughs> you got a new card called herpes. So, well, with HPV, and I know we'll probably go into all these later on, but um, can you just share a little bit about, because I know that there's like people like, is that warts, right? So there's like the external pre presenting HPV. There's the internal that you can't really see, but you know, like cervical HPV or in the vaginal canal. And, you know, some people don't have, you don't see either, or they're not like, you know, presenting all these things. But can you share a little more about the differences of what, of what HPV can look like or feel like, I guess? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like sometimes HPV can cause genital warts, in which case more common than not, they just go away on its own. Um, so the tricky thing about HPV is if you 
get tested for it, there might not be necessarily like a treatment. It just might be like, hey, like if this might just kind of go away on its own, even though it's a viral infection. So technically, like it will live forever in your body, question mark, but may not present symptoms later on. And so or it might you might get it earlier on and then 20 years down the line get genital warts, right? Like it's it's really dependent on the way in which your body reacts to it. But the Gardasil shot, which is a shot that you get in multiple doses, uh, can work to prevent cervical cancer, um, the HPV that causes cervical cancer. So that's another way that it can present. And like you mentioned, you know, another way is that it just doesn't present at all and you never know you have it and you never know that you can pass it on and you just don't wear protection. And so you can pass it on. And so that's why it's super important, not only to talk about testing, but to talk about condoms and dental dams, um, which we will get into. Oh, we're getting there. Before, Very wait, wait, I have a question about the, the vaccine because I am a 40 year old woman and I was told that you can't get the HPV vaccine because I've reached the, the precipice of, of not it not being you effective, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's a nice way to put it, Amy. Thank you. And so, um, is that true? Uh, not that I asked my doctor, but you never trust all the doctors. Okay. You I'd rather ask Danielle. Them. Um, yeah, I, I think if a provider told you that they're probably telling the truth, I think like the reason why I at least like talk about it a lot with like middle schoolers and high schoolers is because that is the the age where you're kind of recommended to get it like before you even become sexually active. Well, I told my, my, one of my great friends who has a six-year-old daughter, I was telling her about the HPV vaccine and she was like, really? I was always just thinking it was for, because there's so many other things that can happen if HPV can appear in many different areas, like your throat. So, and she had no idea. And she's like, I just thought they were pushing this STI vaccine on my daughter, who is obviously clearly a child. And I was like, it's actually much better that she probably gets it. And I'm not trying to tell anyone what to do out there, by the way, I'm saying if I had access to that shit, like I would have totally gotten it, but now I'm too old. Damn it, Amy. Thanks. It's your fault. (laughs) Well, I had, so I I mean, I, I got that vaccine after already having HPV. So I got the cervical HPV was in a monogamous relationship for two years, you know, 18 to 20. uh, And then at 20, all of a sudden I have HPV and I'm like, did you cheat on me? And no, I, it's probably been in my body for like, you know, maybe I got it from him, but like, it wasn't some unethical cheating thing that I know of. And it's because it hung on my body for a long time, likely, and then came out. And then it was a thing for like, you know, I did like, uh, had abnormal paps for a number of years and then it just kind of went away, but I got the Gardasil after. And so I'm like, Oh, I wonder if that would have been preventative, but you know, I'm okay. And it's now dormant in my body. Yeah. 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 Right. And again, like more than 40 types, like you have, you know, the Gardasil shop does not protect against every single type. And so you really just have to know again, that like, it's normal. It's okay. Getting preventative, you know, shots are really important if you can get them at the right age or the right time and wearing protection to prevent the spread of STIs is really important. What's up, Shameless Sex Fam? Is your sex life important to you? Hmm. What about your relationships? And also, let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's my happily ever after, Amy? Yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so 
lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools the right tools for your sex and relationship so you get what you desire and it's fun it's playful right amy we're always playful. it's kind of sexy and did i mention how easy we make it for you you have to check out shameless sex plus the testimonials they're coming in from everywhere and this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams so you can do it too Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. If you want, want it, hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> so, and we're going to get to that. But before we do, I have another, before we do, this message brought to you by HPV. <laughs> um, but can, so can you, t- I've never tested um, or had an abnormal pap smear, which is how a lot of times if you're a vulva owner, they'll test you. And if you have an abnormal pap, you can send in the, I guess the, the, the schmear, whatever they're taking right. inside of, the of you, uh, the schmear of the pap to uh, go and sample what, what, what they found um, for further uh, testing. And I've never like had it. So if you're a human, cervix, right? Like whatever the right. cells are on the cervix. So if you've never had that in your, whether, and I don't know if you know this, Danielle, but I think you, you probably have a lot more insight than I do. If you're, um, um, a vulva owner that's never tested like, or never, it's not testing positive though, because that's the trip with this. It's, it's never had an abnormal pap smear schmear. Could you still have HPV? Like I've never, they, they, my doctor has told me you don't have HPV. I was like, really? I'm like, I feel like everybody does. Like I wanted to, I I wanted to be part of the party. You wanted to be part of the crew when you were like, well, abnormal pap, I have HPV, don't I? And he was like, no, you don't. Um, yeah, I, I think that it is possible for sure to have HPV with a normal pap, because if you get a symptom where you're getting genital warts, but a normal pap, right? Like maybe the symptoms present themselves differently. Listener, talk to your provider about this. I am not a medical professional. I just have yeah. an MPH here. So I'm I'm working with what I got. I'm sure if my mom were here, she would for sure know. But she also is surprised about like, you know, she's had a couple of patients that she's told me about where they have had HPV in the throat and it it like wasn't as common of a thing. Like there are kind of new symptoms like popping up and we're trying to figure out like, okay, like what do we do about this? Right. Cause like most people who are performing oral sex, like on a penis don't usually anecdotally, right. Like I don't have data on this, but use a condom. So it's kind of like, okay, if we're not going to use a condom, then do we just kind of, are we just okay with everyone getting it at some point or, or what do we do here? I'm not sure what the answer is. People don't think about it though in that way. A lot of folks that I've talked to, I know that I was never, I always thought fluid exchange was always semen or my bodily fluids that I, that I, um, expelled on someone else, right. right. For sake of, but not saliva didn't count. No. Or I was like, because that isn't not, we're not quite now. And, and thankfully I'm for, 40 years old. I, I understand. And we'll talk about, um, herpes soon, but condoms and dental dams, cause you've already mentioned those two things. So some people are like, it's a bummer. I don't want to use condoms. I don't want to use dental dams. It's super helpful. And obviously nothing's a hundred percent effective mm-hmm. in protecting you from STIs, but can you give us some safer sex, pra- safer sex practices, like a one-on-one for folks out there, including why dental dams are still out there and, and 
why they should probably be more normalized. Totally. Yeah. First of all, dental dams are awesome. People don't give dental dams enough credit. They are for people who want to be safe while performing oral sex on a vulva, point blank. And, you know, what are they? They're just small square sheets of latex. I'm sure you can get latex-free dental dams if you have an allergy. They are put over the vulva and are used to prevent the spread of STIs. And condoms, I feel, are, while not, you know, there is still a little bit of stigma around condoms, definitely not the same as dental dams. Like condoms are in media, they're mainstream. You know, there are dozens of condom companies. Um, You know, people talk about it, we're familiar with it. Uh, and we need to be doing the same thing with dental dams because there is a misconception that lesbians or people with vulvas who have sex with other people with vulvas can't contract STIs. And there was actually a scene recently in the Sex Lives of College Girls where a character who has recently started discovering her queerness in a sexual way a woman is having sex with other women and she gets on the toilet and she pees and she's really hurting. It's burning. She goes to the doctor and the doctor's like, you have chlamydia or whatever STI she has. And she's like, what do you mean? I Lesbians can't get chlamydia. And I think if they're playing on this idea that people with vulvas who have sex with other people with vulvas can't contract STIs. And that is very false. Wait, that's what I was saying about the mouth too. That's the same kind of like thought process that I'm talking about where right. Oh no, it's, it's, it's just a lack of education. It doesn't mean anything. I, I had a lack of education my entire life. I didn't realize that mouths could transmit any sort of STIs. So Amy, I, I know that you had the same situation. Oh, well, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have that situation with um like any sort of thing in my throat, like HPV or chlamydia in my throat. I got chlamydia twice from JTT, also known as just the tip. Um, So there was no barrier there, but it was like, we're not having penetrative sex with bodies or rubbing on each other and the genitals get really close and the juices are kind of flowing a little bit and chlamydia works that quick. <laughs> that pre-cum will get you. It'll get you yeah. every time. Well, or, or if I'm the one that had it, you know, it's like, cause I, there was also... I don't know if I gave it to someone, but I got it from someone from the JTT and then I had to call someone else I was sleeping with to be like, I may have given it to you. We had we had never had penetrative sex. We also JTT'd. And I was like, I may have passed it on for another JTT experience. JTT. Um, yeah. So it moves really quickly. And I think that we we underestimate all these different things in the orifices and and ha- what, yeah, just the power of the little bit of juice and what it can do. And it, we're talking about mucous membranes, mouths and genitals. They soak up everything. I mean, that's totally. what they do. They're their job, right? They're supposed to be like, I want you inside of me, like sure. meaning in your bloodstream. So more so than like your hand, right? If I get some jizz on my hand and it has chlamydia in it, probably right. not going to get chlamydia unless I put it on my genitals or or in my right. mouth. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wash your hands after yeah, wash your hands. and touching. Yeah. Always wash your hands. Yeah. yeah I think to be um, I'd like to, to like maybe learn a little bit more about the other two that you're saying the hottest STIs on the market. And then maybe yes. we can le- le- link in or loop in safer sex into these and how they will, can show up and prevent and like, you know, what that looks like. So, cause I think the next, there's two other ones, the hot, the, all the rage. The next one was herpes. April, you want to take herpes for... 500? Well, we we can't forget about syphilis, the vintage STD. <laughs> right. Or or genital warts, which we tapped into. But we could get to herpes if you want Would, for well, 500. I'll take it for 1,000. <laughs> I have a lot to say. Uh, so herpes, super popular, okay? Like many people don't even know they have it because they never present symptoms. Let's talk stats, okay? It is estimated that in the U.S., nearly 50% of people aged 14 to 49 
have HSV1, which is typically oral herpes. You can have herpes 1 in the genital region, although it's a little less common, while around 12% of Americans in the same age group have HSV2, which is typically genital herpes. And that's a stat from the WHO in 2017. Again, if there's more recent data, depends. We don't know what COVID really did to STIs, I think, fully. Maybe they're still getting the stats on that. We're still in COVID. We will be forever in COVID. Do you, do you just, just, do you remember the thing like right when we were kind of coming out of the pandemic a little bit and like festivals were happening and they're like, everyone's going to get herpes because they're going to be fucking like rabbits. <laughs> right. For sure. And maybe they did. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, but you know, I think like, yeah, more, especially the fact that like 50% of people 14 to 50 years old, roughly have oral herpes. Like let's really break that down. What is oral herpes? For most people, again, it doesn't show up as anything. For some people, like myself, I get cold sores and a lot of people get cold sores. Maybe if your immune system is down, there is a certain spot in your mouth or on the outside of your mouth. For me, it happens on the roof of my mouth when I'm like specifically stressed. There's like one spot that I always get uh, sore on and it happens every couple months and I do have antivirals that I could take to suppress uh, the outbreak or to make sure that there are less outbreaks. And so it's just super important that we like talk like that. You all are talking about our, we're all talking about our STIs, right? Like, especially with oral herpes, if half of us have it, like you can spread it from kissing, you can spread it from sharing a cup, you can spread it from oral vaginal sex, you know, all, all of those things that we discussed earlier. So I just think herpes deserves her time in the spotlight. So I'm the, one of the lucky ones that you were talking about has HSV one on the genitals. Oh, I've been pulled sore in my life. And I got that at 17, right after the first time I ever like had penetrative sex, PIV sex with my first ever long-term partner. And I thought I was destroyed. That's what I was talking about at the beginning of the show. And because no one told you that it's okay. More, a lot of people have the same thing. You've seen your mom with a cold sore your entire life. My grandma with a cold sore, all these people. So I didn't understand like that I could, and I didn't know it, that that oral to genital, that it could be passed on as it, as it is. And still people, I talk to them about this same fact and they still don't know. So condoms can't really protect against herpes either. Y'all know that it can help but it's a skin to skin contact thing. So there's still on where the shedding is and you exactly. Know. And if it's, if it's oral, but can we talk about, I had this really good friend that had her first orgy, lesbian orgy ever. And she Great. got syphilis and she didn't oh. think same what you were talking about. She's like, I didn't know that you could get syphilis from just having ejaculate on you. And she, I was like, well, she was, 22 and I was like congratulations you got a vintage STD STI <laughs> so like you see very she much got alive and well so you said she got it on her like it would like got on her labia it or got something? on her I don't know she didn't she just said it was like all over her I think she was like she was basking in the, the glory of all the ejaculate you syphilis with having a jacket on your body unless it's in your genitals she, I, I think it probably she was probably naked and probably gotten I don't know she just said it probably got around the crevices maybe there was yeah. some hand action moving it around it can be My, very tricky yeah. tricky bitch yeah. 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 Oh, good old syphilis. Well, watch out for that, that orgy. But syphilis, we don't talk a lot about it. It's something that you can get from just ejaculate as well. And I know we mentioned yeah. general warts, but those things are like preventative measures. So with syphilis, is it just, you know, if it's just body fluids, like Amy's saying, she was like, is it, is, can you get it from being on your body? But if it gets into your, um, soft tissues, right? Like the, the osmosis of like the, soaking it up that can affect you right 
I honestly don't even know the full answer to that, but I kind of want to look it up if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and, and Google it. And I wanted to just add a couple of things. We were going back to the herpes train still because we're still on herpes, y'all. We're not done with herpes. Um, the so with, with herpes. So I'm I'm cold oral cold sore herpes person. Um, and got it from like you know in the corner of a lip, uh, with sharing chaps with friends in like junior high or something. And then that went away. But then I got it um in the middle of my lip making out with a guy in eight, eighteen Hawaii who said he had a sun blister. It was not a sun blister, y'all. I got very sick, canker sores all down my throat, huge cold sore on my lip. Oh, like wow. it felt like swallowing glass because the first outbreak's generally known to be the wor- the worst right. one. And I, t- I approached him. I was like, uh, that was not a sun blister. You got me really sick. He's like, no, I didn't. And I was like, okay, well, fuck you. We're never talking again. Oh. And, you know, that fun thing, you know, is with me for life. But in, in my 20s, really interesting. It started to go from my my lip to grit and start growing on my chin instead, which I kind of liked better because it looked like poison oak. I still wouldn't make out with anyone during that time, but it didn't look like herpes, even though like April saying, you know, to say I have oral cold sores is socially more acceptable to people right. than genital herpes. And we're not shaming genital herpes, folks. It's just that's what people think. And we're trying to overcome that bullshit. Totally. But on your chin, you're like, it's poison oak, but don't kiss me. you know. <laughs> and and so it can move and change and go to different places. So just because we have it doesn't mean if, if I make out with someone and they have it too, I can't give them you know, it in another place. So like, there's another thing to be careful of. Um, and I know we're going to talk about like management in a little bit, so I won't go too deep into that. But just, just to say, I've learned how to really manage this. Just like you were saying, D, you have the antivirals. I've also learned a lot about a diet that is a high lysine, uh, low arginine diet. Um, oh, so again, that helps. So, super helpful so yeah but they, it's not again like it's funny how we have these socially acceptable ones because right but it's the one on your face everyone can see but the general one that no one can see unless they get to have sex with you is like oh no but totally. like come on people it's, it's what about common. well we have to tell them what they won with syphilis what do they win Okay, I have the answer. So according to the NHS, um, syphilis is usually spread by contact quote between moist areas anywhere. Mm on or inside the body. So to kind of what we thought, it doesn't so sound like it sounds, it, it sounds like some of the ways unprotected vaginal anal or oral sex kissing or licking the anus, um, moist areas. I mean, I guess probably the eyes, right? The nose, yeah. some orifices. That's what I, mean, I was you, thinking. You can get herpes on your eye. Can't you? Yes, I, I believe so. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. I hope that doesn't happen to anyone. I can't imagine the pain involved in yeah. that. And syphilis is so. And if syphilis can go untreated, that's what Al Capone died of. He had syphilis that he contracted when he was in prison, and then he, it affects your brain really negatively, where you basically go insane. So it's important to get tested, and they do test for syphilis in a in, in the in the regular screening that you go to get STI checks. Um, if if you're sexually active with multiple partners, you should always get those. I get them no matter if even that I only have one partner, I still get them regularly. What yeah, was the, close skin to skin contact also. Yeah. So, you know, who knows Wash. what areas of what body parts are rubbing together. And if there's a rash present, it's mostly highly infectious during that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you get like your hands in the bottom of the feet and there's, was it this Tuskegee's thing? That was the whole oh, the like highly racist experiment. Yeah, yeah. experiment, like giving people of color syphilis without treating it to the point to where track they, it. yeah, where they would, would die, like go basically lose their mind and die. So yeah, yeah super fucked up in the way horrific. that the trials were Yeah, terrible, terrible. 
Uh, okay, so we're, we're we're cool with herpes now, I think. And don't worry, we'll talk about herpes more because it will come up here and there. We sure will. What's number, th- what's number three? What's okay. on door three? <laughs> In door number three, we have chlamydia. Uh, so <laughs> chlamydia, a very common bacterial infection that you can get from sexual contact with another person. Around 3 million Americans get it every year, and it's most commonly the teens, 14 to 24-year-olds, so mm-hmm. young adults and teenagers. Uh, how is it spread through vaginal anal oral sex? Um, it's carried in semen or cum, pre-cum, vaginal fluids. It can infect the penis, the vagina, the cervix, the anus, the urethra, the eyes, the throat. And most people with chlamydia don't have any symptoms. Again, this is a common theme that you should really pay attention to, listener. That's why testing is so important. And that's why conversations around this are so important because most people don't know that they have anything and that's how it gets spread. And chlamydia can be easily cleared up with antibiotics, but similar to many STIs, pretty much all of them, right? If you don't treat them uh, in order to cure them or manage them in some way, it may lead to major health problems in the future. So that's also why it's really important to get tested, not only to prevent the spread to anybody else, but to treat anything that you might have, get an antibiotic, move on with your life, have a great life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, y'all, I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. 
What do you think about because conversation surrounding STIs is heavy. It can get heavy for people. People weigh in and they get really scared because it can be scary. I know I've been there where I'm like, this person isn't going to love me. I'm going to get rejected. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to be like, oh, all by myself, that death sentence I got from the doctor back when I was, I really didn't get a death sentence, but my mom was like, your life's over. And I was like, okay, I'm terrible, which now she regrets. But at the time, you know, it was the nineties. Okay. So it was, so my question to you is, do you have any advice for folks listening about how to breach the conversation, whether it is about you already have been diagnosed with an STI, whether you have um, something to share about getting tested if they are in a non-monogamous, consensually non-monogamous relationship? Totally. I think this is super important. And I really think, you know, this is really dependent on many factors, right? It depends on the person that you are and the person that you're, or people that you're wanting to have sex with. The relationship between you two, is this a first date? Is this someone who you've been out with a couple of times? Is this a friend of a friend who you feel a little bit more comfortable with compared to a stranger, right? Um, The circumstance, are you in your apartment? Are you in their apartment? Do you feel safe? Uh, Are you comfortable? There are so many parts of this, right? That like you, you listener only know your specific circumstance. But that being said, um, I think it's really, really important to have an open and honest conversation about STI status. And there's not really like a way to scoot around that. Like you deserve to know how safe you feel comfortable being. You you deserve to tell your partner if that's your choice and your comfort level, your STI status. And here's kind of like a sample question starter, right? How do you feel about STI testing? Like what, what are your thoughts on that? And then seeing what they say. Great. I love it. I want syphilis for 500 out. No, <laughs> so what if they're, they're interested, right? But, but maybe they're a little shy. Maybe a usual response would kind of be like, oh, I'm not really sure. Like I don't really do that. Right. Maybe someone would say that, especially like cis men are not necessarily uh, taught to like take care of their health and wellness in the same way that cis women are and that queer people maybe are. Um, and so you know, see what they say. If they're potentially open to it, I think it's important to say, oh, well, like I really value that. I think it's really important uh, to use protection if you're okay with that. And I also think that it would be great to know our STI status. Like, how do you feel about that? And I think just like opening up the conversation, don't, don't put any blame on anybody. Don't make anybody feel like, you know, uh, strange if they disclose an STI to you in that moment, you have to be prepared. If, if you're opening up that conversation, maybe they're going to share something with you and just kind of see what they say. And the final thing I want to say here is that if they react negatively, if they say, I actually think that's so weird and gross and like, I just want to fuck or like, I just, I don't care. Like, I don't want to even talk about that. Then they might not be someone you want to consider having sex with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I would be like, uh, okay, nope, sorry. Goodbye. Which, which brings me to the question. Cause there's the people who I don't want to wear a condom. Why do I need that? They're uncomfortable. They don't mm-hmm. fit me. And I know we already talked about, you know, about condoms, dental dams, and we're talking about managing STIs and just want to kind of like close that gap a little more so we're not missing anything. And everyone, I know we can't cover like every STI out there, you know, hepatitis C, HIV, by the way, gonorrhea is clap, right? The clap is gonorrhea. It's not chlamydia. <laughs> everyone. I believe it is yeah. because it, apparently because of the sound that like you, your fluids make, like when Some your clapping. body, they're like, giving you an applause. Like a clap. 
I don't really completely. I never knew that. Is that what it is? I I, believe so. Maybe they're letting you know you need to go get tested and and get some antibiotics for this. So a lot of these, though, that we're talking about have antibiotics that you can take. This is why it's important to go in if you have any symptom or you've had unprotected sex or if they're a virus, there's things like valcyclovir, um, various medications you can take to manage it. HIV has its own form of, of medication, too. And we were talking a little bit about the dental dams and the condoms. So this is going to be a two-part question. One, what would you say? And I was also talking about the lysine thing. Like you can look up ways to manage your STI, if they're, especially if they're a virus that you're you're living with that is, is quite doable. And then it won't be a part of your everyday life or maybe not even every year life. It depends right. on the virus. But when we come to that conversation of safer sex, so condoms and dental dams, I want to use this. And they're like, I don't like that. I can't feel it through. It doesn't feel good. And I know April said they don't per, you know, per, protect against herpes. And I would say add to that, they just don't perfectly protect against it. Like, you know, if I have herpes on the head of my cock, um, a condom can do a pretty good job at preventing that from going onto another body because that's where it is. But if it's on my balls, my balls hit your labia, then we have a different experience. But so how, what would you say to those people who are like, on both sides, the person that doesn't want to use the condom or dental dam, and then to the person that wants to advocate for it with someone that's not into it. Yeah. So for the people who are listening, who relate to this idea of like, I don't like condoms. They just don't feel good for me. Like I, I experience a lot less pleasure without them. If you find a partner who's willing to take that level of risk and they are equally as invested as the risks and the rewards that come from that unprotected sex, we're talking STIs, we're talking uh, unintended pregnancy, potentially, if we're talking about penis and vagina sex, you are adults, presumably, and you get to decide if that's what you want to do. Realistically, if you'd like to mitigate that risk, I just want you to consider the fact that a little less pleasure potentially is worth protecting against STIs and unwanted pregnancy. And There are tons of condoms out there and tons of lubes that really make sex so much more pleasurable for you, um, even with a condom on. And so I think it's just really, really important to consider that. And if you're on the other side of someone who wants to have sex with a condom or a dental dam and your partner is like not really interested, this isn't black and white, right? Like the idea of condom negotiation is a whole course that we can talk about. And we can talk about that the entire time. But I do want you to feel secure in your right and your ability to have safe sex if that's the kind of sex that you want to have. And so ultimately, if it can be a conversation and your partner is open to it and you can say, hey, like it would just really give me peace of mind if we use condoms, like why don't we try it for the next couple of times and then check in about it and see what they say? Because if they're open to that, then maybe you have sex in that way and maybe it doesn't feel as bad for that person as they thought it would. And maybe they're just open to using that. And maybe you can discuss, okay, if you're not really interested in using condoms, let's talk about if we're only having sex with each other. Let's talk about our STI status. Like let's talk about all these other things that could come into the conversation to make you feel safe. I want to just kind of broach the subject a little bit about if you are a person already living with an STI and there are so many ways to mitigate and or not share your STI with your partners. And it doesn't always have to be condoms. I currently am living with HSV1 on my genitals. So with me, when I know my body's having this outbreak situation, I don't sleep with partners or share even skin to skin contact, especially where there is 
the um the outbreak where it's happening right. and if you have this you you'll know and i don't know if that's like with every one of these but i can speak from my own experience where i've had partners that have tested negative every time not one has tested positive and i've been very very I presented all of the information to them right. before they've made the choice to be with me. And I've been in long-term partnerships with them. But that being said, Danielle, what do you think about if my future lover shames me when I tell them oh. about my STI status? What should I do? Oh my God. The only words that I wrote down for this question are boy, bye. <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I don't smart. have fucking time for people. Like there are too many other wonderful people in the world who like know your worth and you're just so beautiful and wonderful you and listener like the way that you are and really knowing that STIs are common they can be managed treated and sometimes cured depending on the STI and it's okay it's going to be okay many people with STIs have active fun healthy sex lives and it's okay if that partner isn't interested in all that you have to offer and they don't have to be with you can I, can, I add, <laughs> yeah. can I add one piece to this though that I think is really important that doesn't get spoken to enough? And thank you for that. Cause that's, I agree. I'm like, bye. Obviously it might hurt at the time. Right. However, if, if you are a responsible human and you are living with an STI and I consider myself that human, cause I've been very conscious of this and I have friends o- along the way that have the same thing as I do and they haven't shared their STI mm-hmm. status. I think the level of spreading goes up when you have this consensual sex with people and you're not, you know, that you possibly could be presenting some symptoms of your STI that you carried around maybe for, maybe you don't know. However, I think there could be preventative measures such as like, you know, that your lymph nodes get swollen right before you're going to get a cold sore on your mouth. You know that you, it tingles or something. So just stop, just tap out and be honest. Don't go out then or don't see the person. So st- that can help s- stop the spread of things that can't be prevented with condoms and or Veltrex and or dental dams and or like you could still go out just you don't have to like suck face or dick or 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 badge you know that's all I'm saying or no, no I hear you and like right I just want to reiterate what Amy was saying before though with the herpes thing with condoms because like it really does depend on like where the sore is and and the shedding process because like if if the condom is covering up the sore or like before the sore happens most likely it can certainly prevent the spread mm-hmm. um so that's really important to say but i i think that this whole thing about like disclosing is so tricky because while i totally agree that as a person in this world, you should want other people to be happy and safe and healthy and not inflict harm knowingly, of course. And there are so many pieces around like power privilege that I think need to be mentioned just around like safety, someone's ability to kind of bring that up. And the thing that you kind of mentioned about like, oh, it tingles before, right? Like you have to be super in tune with your body to really know what the symptoms are, how long that's going to happen, like how that's going to feel. And I, I completely agree. If you know for sure, like I'm really in tune with my body, I'm aware that I'm about to get a sore, don't make out with a stranger. Um, or if you at least want to get consent, you can ask that stranger, hey, just so you know, I really want to make out with you, but I'm feeling a cold sore. So if you don't want that, maybe we can just like do hand stuff. Like, I, you know, like maybe it's a, a avenue for another conversation about openness and honesty. People some hot hookups without making out. Like on the True. third day, like bodies grinding, fully clothed, no lips touching anywhere and it's fucking hot. So you can yeah. make that still a great time to everyone. Yeah. Use toys, use something else. Um, 
figure out other ways to make it sexy and fun. But yeah, I think like the whole, the whole disclosure thing, it it's tricky. And like, it really, I want to empower people and, and recommend that you think deeply about the way in which your actions affect other people and recognize that it's a case by case basis. And it's just really tricky for people. Well, it sounds like the way that you really educate is like the harm reduction approach yes. model, right? It's like, you know, nothing's a perfect science other than abstinence. You know, you go lock yourself in a closet, you don't have sex with anyone, you're probably not going to get an STI or STD. Sure. Um, but when it comes to engaging with people, there's different levels and layers of what's more risky to get STIs, STDs, and there's different things that we can do that can help to decrease the transmission. And, you know, but if we're engaging with others, then there's a, there's always a possibility. Um, but there's some really great things out there. Yes, condoms aren't perfect science. I'm hoping for some better things out there someday in the future, but maybe we're not perfectly there. And we're not talking about, you know, birth control pills in this episode. We've done that in other episodes about birth control. So you can go to those ones. So just before we go, and we have to end soon, the kind of the, the initial conversation that we talked about, like testing, but initial conversation, do you have an STI or or what what's your status is its own challenging thing there. And so, and I, I'm going to ask kind of like a little bit more about your protocol of uh, how to do that. For, for me personally, one thing that I do with people, I need to get better at actually before we make out to say that I get cold sores because I just forget about it. I honestly just don't. And most people, I've never had anyone say... I don't want to make out with like, cool. Yeah, me too. Or like my mom and everyone I know. So, um, but I also forget about HPV because it's dormant and I haven't had it since my twenties. So in my thirties, I forget to even say that too, but ideally it would be, you know, for me, I would say, you know, when's the last time you were tested? Um, you know, what, 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 were the, what, what did those results show? Have you had any STIs before? Do you have any now? What is your management around those? And here's mine and listing all those before we engage in any way. That would be like the perfect Amy who isn't right. always that. But what do you have to say about what that conversation can look like? I'm I'm into that. I mean, I do I do think that if like the template that I kind of set up before, right? Like that's an ideal world of just kind of like, okay, this how do you think about this? You know, I think I do think like asking questions can really like disarm people rather than just like coming in hot um, and not like accusatory, like what STIs do you have? But more so just like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, this is something that I'm really open about. And I hope that we can have an open conversation about this. But I I do think like stating your own values and where you come from of like, hey, I want to make sure that you're protected and I want to be protected. And I want to have like really fucking hot, fun sex with you. And part of that is knowing that I'm going to be safe. And, um, you know, again, if condoms are something you want to use and this looks different, right? Like if this is a first date compared to a fifth date compared to someone you've been dating for 10 years and everything in between and beyond, it can look really, really different. And it can be an ongoing conversation. If one person in the partnership has an STI and the other doesn't, and one person wants to not contract that STI, that's a check-in, right? Like that's figuring out how your long-term relationship potentially, if you're monogamous or not, fits into okay, do we want to continue to use protection? If not, let's talk about the potential risks of this one partner contracting the STI and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, what, but what Amy, you mentioned, the harm reduction approach, I love that approach, Danielle, because I think that it's it's a lot more logical and or it's easier than just going out there and being like, I'm never going to... If you're If you're sexually active especially with the stats that you've given us with HPV, that you could be dormant with herpes. It could be dormant yes. with syphilis. It could be at a party. You don't even know. It could be at a lot of slung on you. For God's you're sake. Like, you're, yeah, dancing you're, like, <laughs> you're dancing with syphilis. You're like, oh. so it, this is important to recognize that 
if you are a human and you're sexually out there active, you have the potential to have an STI. And so it's about management and it's about the reduction. It's not about just avoiding unless you want to lock yourself up in a bubble, which listen to shameless sex all day. Maybe you'll come out of that bubble. Okay. Yeah, you'll you'll be really, really knowledgeable and probably kind of horny in there, but that's cool. (laughs) I know that we have to end soon, but I think we would be remiss to not mention. I feel as if folks in the queer community, specifically gay men who have sex with gay men are more open around talking about STIs. And I think for folks who are queer, there aren't these cultural scripts, uh, such as like straight, cis, hetero scripts that we are that that queer people are listening to as much. They are making up their own communication, their own rules, their own dialogue. And so there's something to be said about potentially there being more communication or comfort. Um, you know, specifically when we're talking about prep, maybe folks are more comfortable telling another person that they're taking prep in order to prevent HIV or they're talking about their statuses a little bit more. More. And so I think there's something to be explored there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to add that on to that piece there, the, um, the idea of being dirty, the dirty and clean. And I think when you're around more sex positive communities, such as queer communities, I mean, there's a lot more information and knowledge and conversation around that and sex positivity when it comes to sex. And so the, the terminology, like, are you clean? This can be highly offensive and, and it's very all or nothing versus dirty. There's something wrong with you. Um, or I'm not dirty. I don't need to get tested, you know, things like that. So moving away from that, the, that terminology and, um, you know, highlighting the, the, the people, the groups, the communities that, um, are really doing great things to be more communicative about, um, sex, STIs, prevention and status, all of the right. above. And queer people, of course, still transmit and contract STIs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They are not immune to them whatsoever. In fact, they face more barriers than straight cis people when it comes to accessing the care that they need and getting that doctor to understand exactly their identity and what they're seeking and not be discriminated against. So it's really important to mention that queer people, of course, still have STIs, but maybe there's something there around being able to communicate around them a bit more. So... Thank you for everything that you've been able to let us know, let our listeners know. And the cool thing is, is that you're on social media. Everyone can access this information whenever they want for free, wherever they are, hopefully, uh, if they have a device that can do so. Will you just let folks know, please, once again, where they can find you on all the platforms? And also you have other workshops and things coming up that you can tell our people about. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at sex ed with DB, as well as on Twitter at sex ed with DB. You can find me on Instagram at sex ed with DB podcast, as well as on YouTube at sex ed with DB. You can find our website, sex ed with db.com. You can check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And I have an amazing workshop called building a profitable online sexual health brand. If you are someone who is in the field of health education or social work or sex therapy, or you want to run your own business in the field of sexual health, check out my workshop. Uh, I teach all the amazing things there. And if you want to partner with me, uh, email me at sex ed with db.com. Sex ed with db at gmail.com. Sex ed at db. Wait, sex ed at db. with db. Sex ed with db at gmail.com. Ooh, that's, that's nice. Right. I could do like a nice like little poetry slam with that. Hey, so, so, <laughs> okay, so that's great. I love this episode because talking about STIs is it's it's not necessarily a passion of mine, but it has become a lot easier for me because it was something that I wore 
on my shoulders and in my soul for so many years because I lived in shame with it. So if you've listened to this, I hope that it's helped you because it's, I, I honestly, I love the fact that I'm living with this and, and I can help other people live a better life. My life is fucking great. And I'm so stoked that DB is normalizing and that Amy and I are hanging out on the airwaves. Uh, you can check us out, Shameless Sex, as you know, on TikTok as well. We're at Shameless Sex Podcast, I'll, also on Instagram. But did I mention yet? I'm in London right now. So Amy and I are, are away not with Hot Octopus Headquarters. Uh, we're developing new products, everyone. Uh, but I, I just... I love you all. And people are shameless sex revolutionaries in the UK as well. And I'm like, yay. There is such an awesome revolution happening. And it's sexual. It's charged. But it's also a lot less shameful than we lived in the past. And I have hope that it's going to get better and better and better and better. So thank you to all of our listeners for your support. Go ahead. Just follow DB. Check out your workshops that you have going. Amy, I love you so much. I'll see you back in Santa Cruz. I leave tomorrow. And to all of our listeners also, if you can just take five minutes, no, five seconds and rate us on iTunes and Spotify. You don't even have to f- write a full review if you're too busy. I know everyone's so busy these days. Uh, you can just put an emoji, eggplant emoji, aubergine, as they say in London. You can put a big old aubergine. I don't care. We just need the five stars because DB can get access. All of this information can get access. It's free for you. We love you. It is really late here. I'm just going to say, you know, usually I record it's daytime, but I'm still feeling so, uh, so charged because shameless sex is fucking badass. So thank you, Danielle, Amy. Love you. I'll see you soon. Ciao to everyone. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.